Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of the Racing Insiders podcast, doing something a little bit different this week and flying solo. And I just want to hit on a topic that's uh, really a current event and top of mind. It's a little bit controversial, but we're talking about what promoters can do in order to promote their racetracks and so we can prevent more of these racetracks closing. So let's go ahead and, and fire up that intro and I'll see you on the other side. Race fans, it's Wesley Outland of Fox Sports. You're listening to Racing Insiders Podcast, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to tell the stories of the people behind the brands in motorsports, because everyone has a story. Here's your host, founder of CrateInsider.com, ecom coach, winning motorsports marketing, and marketing video guru, known as the girl who sells race car parts, Kate Dillon. So here's the situation. A couple of weeks ago on Facebook, I saw within the span of one week that four racetracks were closing. And I just think that is absolutely horrible. And it's more than likely preventable. You know what? These weren't from outside sources where, you know, like a, a law is passed or something like that. At least one is financial. And a couple of them, I think, were they quoted personal reasons. And I'm using my air quotes right now. Well, Regardless of your personal reasons, I would say that if I owned a business that was acting like its own personal ATM and was just spitting out a bunch of money, I think that even if I had personal reasons for not wanting to do it, I would probably figure out a way to have somebody else do that for me. So it really, to me, that tells me that it's coming down to mostly money. So that really kind of sparred this uh, this big discussion in, in a Facebook group I'm in. And we were talking about, you know, what can we do as fans and drivers and car owners? What can we do to keep racetracks operating profitably in order to kind of help the sport? You know, I mean, not kind of, but absolutely help the sport. You know, so I, I really had to think about it. And I thought, well, hey, you know, rather than, you know, offering what's, you know, what's wrong, what, what can we do that's right? And I think it really comes down down to a couple of things, uh, well, a couple of big things that mention, uh, mean a lot of little things that go into it for sure. So, I mean, I think tip number one, is that we really need get to get new fans to come to the races. And um, what I've seen, because I am a digital marketer, so I'm out in the internet space, and I'm marketing to the masses. And I see that the tracks could really use a lot of help in this. And so I've really kind of thrown myself out there. And I even did a video on my own personal Facebook page. And you're welcome to check it out. Just look for Kate Dillon. And I'll link it. Um, so in the show notes, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, you can find the show notes at Racing Insiders podcast.com forward slash zero one zero. And I'll make sure that I've got a link to my personal video as well, where I'm going to talk about a lot of the same things I'm going to talk about today. Uh, But also, you know, so how do you get new fans to come to a race? Well, I I think we can go old school with that quite a bit. I think we can have flyers and posters, I think going to schools, I think participating in parades and community events. And that's not even talking about the internet. And I do think there is a whole lot of opportunity opportunity right now with the internet. It's such it's such an uncrowded space when it comes to the racing industry. Is it crowded otherwise? Absolutely. But within the racing world, I think there's just absolutely a ton of opportunity and it's not just in social media. So with that, I I 
like I said, I want to take this a whole step further. And I want to help any promoters who are looking for solutions for how they can reach more fans, how they can get more fans. And I think one of the first things that you start with in the digital world is you start with your website. And so I have put together a checklist. It's a racetrack website checklist. And I will also have a link to that again in the show notes, which is racinginsiderspodcast.com forward slash zero one zero. Um, So again, number one, we want to get more fans in the stands, but then number two, we want to get them to come back. But before I talk about some opportunities there, I thought it was interesting to a couple things that have happened last weekend, of course, was Eldora. And Eldora was another incredibly successful event. Uh, Lots and lots of cars, lots of excitement, lots of excitement all over social media. And yeah, it's a crown jewel event. And I can already hear uh, people saying, even though I haven't actually heard the words, it's it's just one of those refrains. Well, they can do it because it's Eldora, or you know, well, yeah, it's going to be run right because it's Tony Stewart and he can hire the best people. Well, I'll tell you what, you know what, the internet is for everybody, and there are so many opportunities. You don't have to be, uh, you just don't have to be a super trained professional. You just have to know a few things, and you don't have to be a Tony Stewart in order to have a successful track. Um, but um, also, another thing that happened too is in I got my PRI magazine this month, and I found it really interesting. Just right here on the heels of four racetracks closing, that in this article about dirt late model racing, it says across the board promoters of dirt late model racing are reporting increased interest in participation. As the various series move to contain costs and introduce the sport to new fans, drivers are responding by co- quite simply showing up to race. So very, very interesting that that PRI magazine is talking about the success of the late models in dirt. And yet we're seeing, you know, three of the four tracks I mentioned, three of four of them were dirt tracks, you know, here in the South. So really just such a crazy situation. All right. So, so back to some other things here, some other tips is that. In order, after we get fans to come, the second thing we need to do is we need to get them to come back. I mean, there's lots of stats out there with being a business owner that it takes, you know, X amount of dollars more to get a new customer than it does to get a repeat customer. So, so with that, I mean, we want people to come back. Why have that churn? You know, we really can separate this into a few different audiences. You've got the hardcore people that are going to come no matter what. They're just going to show up. You've got new people that you want to get in the stands. And then secondly, we want to get them to come back. So how do we get them to do that? And I found within this group that where a bunch of people were commenting that a big, big thing that people were saying was that you need reasonable ticket prices and pit passes that sometimes you know when you look at a family going to a racetrack that that all of those costs I mean maybe it's only $20 to get in but when you multiply that by four or five it really then really people have to start considering whether that's going to be a good idea or not and we all know that getting them in the door is just one thing there's lots of other opportunities to to get, um, I, I call it an average order value, but to to raise the order value of each customer that walks in the door, besides the fact that to get them to say positive things and bring their friends and make it an event, there are so many opportunities there. So let's definitely take a look at the ticket prices. Um, the second thing, and I'm going to tell you that this is my own personal thing that I say over and over again, is we got to look at the bathrooms, guys. I, you know, one one thing that really struck me is a, several years ago when I lived in Idaho, 
our whole team uh, worked an architectural firm and we all went to a baseball game, just a regional baseball game. And I don't even like baseball. If, if you don't, if you love baseball and, and you want to hate on me, whatever, but I don't really like baseball. However, we all went as like a whole team building event. And I have to say, wow, uh, we, we could learn a lot from those regional baseball teams. But a few things that had going for it is one, of course, that they reached out to our whole team and had us come out and bring our families and all of that. And we had hot dogs and we all got to hang out together. But they had a nice facility with clean, reasonable bathrooms, clean, modern bathrooms. And and that's something I all don't always find at a racetrack. And it's really... Um, I mean, I don't like it. I, I'll tell you this. I mean, I don't expect anything more than a porta potty in the in the pits. I really don't. But on the grandstand side, it really, really makes a difference. And if you especially think about families with children, you know, and bringing them into a gross bathroom that's just kind of freaky and scary, and the lighting's bad, and the toilet is is rocking back and forth, and there's all kinds of just horrible things about racetrack bathrooms. So you know, I, I think that would make a big difference in getting people to come back. Um, another thing, then this one's huge, and you'll see it all over social media, is complete shows in a timely manner. You guys, oh, man, I, I mean, anybody, no matter how much we love racing, we don't want to be there till two o'clock in the morning. And now all of this is completely preventable, whether it's running fewer divisions, whether it's having time limits and just saying, hey, you know what, these heat races or whatever event or whatever section, it's going to take X amount of time and then we're moving on. You know, if you want to spin out 14 times, you know what, we're just going to call it and move on. We got to do something about this because that is not going to get people to come back. And even hardcore people, I wouldn't even call myself hardcore, but, you know, I'm in the industry and... I'm just not going to go back. I, I don't really want to be there till two o'clock in the morning. And you know, I think Eldora is a great example. Someone even pointed out that they had 80 cars and yet they could do a feature event and all the qualifying and heat races and all of that and still be done by 10, 15 at night. And my thing is, I would say not past. I mean, absolutely at the very, very, very latest 1130 at night. So if your events are going beyond that, then I, I think that's definitely a problem. I, I personally think this again, this is a me thing is remove the boring stuff. Qualifying's boring. Um, it's not always boring. I mean, especially if you can do multi car. I'm trying to trying to be more <laughs> understanding about that. But you know, when you're when you don't start on time, and then we've got to watch two hours of hot laps, and then another 45 minutes of qualifying, and we're not even starting any of the heat races until 830. And the first first main event doesn't start till 1030. That's a problem. And and I think I've definitely seen that that's happened way more than once in in a lot of places. Um, I think here's an, here's one comes from me too. I think we have an absolutely huge opportunity to educate our fans. Because here's the thing, you do have the hardcore people that show up every week. And with those hardcore people, maybe they know what's going on. But when I go to different tracks, and they've got different series, maybe they've got a, a pro four and an extreme four. And, and I didn't actually know the difference between those. Some somebody actually told me. Now, of course, you know, hey, I'm walking around the pits, if I wanted to ask a driver what class they're in, I'm sure I could, and I'm sure I could get an explanation. But the point is, I should we, nobody should have to do that. There's a great opportunity to for the announcer to 
announce and talk about, you know, hey, if we've got two different cars or two cars that look like really, really the same, what's the difference between them? I mean, I, I'm in the crate world. So, you know, I think it would be very beneficial to even tell the fans when you've got super late models, and you got crate late models there, and those cars look exactly the same, then tell them what the difference is. So they can appreciate, they can also then be feel like they're part of the inside group, they're part of, of, you know, they, they feel like they walked away smarter. And in, otherwise, they just don't have any idea what the hell they're even looking at. That doesn't make it fun for any, anybody. Now, I know programs have seemed to go out of style. That was something that we definitely had when I was a kid growing up. And we don't have those because otherwise, there'd be a great opportunity. You know, one possibility too is I think that would be a great thing to include on your website is just to talk about a quick, brief description of each one of the cars and, and what that entails. You know, is this maybe a young driver series or is this all based on engine or is this because it's front wheel drive versus rear wheel drive? I mean, all of those things, you, you, we're talking like three sentences with a little sketch or just a just a picture of that particular type of car so a person can reference it and have any idea at all what they're looking at. I think communication is another big one. There's, there's a lot of opportunity I see out there for adding on to your communication, and it doesn't have to be hard. Um, I know there are some tracks that have an email list, and I find that super helpful. You know, just to send out an email once a week saying, hey, you know what, this Saturday night, we are having an event, the gates open at such and such, it's this much to get in, these are the classes we're running that night. And there's so many more opportunities with email. And as I mentioned, I have every intention of helping out with some promoters. I just talked to one yesterday. And we're looking at forming a group to to really, really promote well to bring some tracks up to speed on the newest, latest and greatest marketing techniques. And I will have more information about that. Um, at some point, uh, we're just kind of developing it right now. The whole point is I don't ever talk about a problem without also offering a solution. Now I one thing I definitely hear, and I think it's um, I, 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 there's a double edged sword here. People love to say that social media is killing racing. And I absolutely and completely and 100% disagree with that. I think social media has been it is the biggest opportunity that we have ever had ever. It really presents this opportunity where anybody can really have a I mean, yeah, people can have a voice and they say stupid things. There's that. But within the racing industry, if we can harness that and utilize it for the positive, we have every every opportunity to reach a bigger audience for far less money. I mean, back in the day, you had to take out newspaper ads and radio ads. There was so much more actual expense that involved. Now, is there a lot of uh, trolls and keyboard warriors on social media? Abso-freaking-lutely. Absolutely. And I think we need to take a look at that. I think part of that is how do we cultivate a culture of positivity? Because you guys, I'm in the racing business too. Now I don't run a track, I sell race car parts, but I put out a lot of video. I put out a lot of parts. I've certainly... Um, you know, I, I sell crate engines. So sometimes I get under fire that, you know, crate engines are supposed to be quote unquote affordable. And so if I put out like an engine price with all the bells and whistles, then, you know, people you thought it was supposed to be affordable. I'll tell you what, I don't know what the hell affordable means. I mean, what is the difference between affordable and expensive? Or something I like to say is, you know what, if you hand me a $20 bill versus handing a $20 bill to a six year old, you know, six year olds gonna think, Oh, my God, I feel so rich. And I'm gonna be like, mm, 
I hope I can buy lunch with this, you know? So I have no idea what that means. I'm just, that's just my own personal (laughs) deal. Um, But I I think we need to re-examine that and take a look at who are the biggest offenders. And I would say in a lot of cases, just having scanned over several track website or track track, um, uh, Facebook pages, it seems like a lot of that comes from the drivers and their crews. So I actually do have a solution for that as well. And my solution is the fact that I think we should separate the audiences on your Facebook page between your fans and your drivers and anybody who's associated with them. Because here's the deal is that in in this whole social media sphere, and when we're trying to reach people, and that is becoming harder and harder and harder. I have a ridiculous number of Facebook pages and Instagram accounts. And so I can tell you it's a lot harder today than it was five years ago to reach the right people. But if you are talking to two totally different people on your page, where some stuff is going to be relevant and some isn't, then what it's going to do is it's going to dilute that messaging that you're giving across on your page. So I actually do have this is just my free tip of the day is one solution that I have is make your page all about the fans. This is about the positive things. This is about your events. This is maybe telling some stories about some of the drivers. Maybe it's um, talking about your concessions for that weekend and keep it positive and forward and really that you're marketing your track, you're bringing people and bringing people into your sphere, maybe showing some behind the scenes, you know, really that fun, warm, fuzzy, wonderful stuff. Now, because the truth is, as a fan, if, if I'm looking to go to a race, and, and I look at their Facebook page, I want to know, you know, just the basic details. But then I'm gonna dig a little bit further and be interested. I'll tell you what I'm not interested in. I don't really care if you're going to have a one pound per lap burnoff rule for the pro stocks or stock force. I don't care. It's not relevant to me. So I'm going to skip right over it. When I skip over that, just like any other fan would, then it shows that, hey, you've got stuff on your page that doesn't apply to people. It means that your page isn't as relevant, which means you're going to have an even harder time getting organic reach. Organic reach is is reaching people in their newsfeed without paying for ads. So my solution to that is how do you separate the two groups, right? Is Facebook has come out now with Facebook groups, and you can make them private, you can make them closed, you can, you can do different things. I would make it a closed group where people actually have to apply for access and make it for the drivers. And for their if, if you want to put the crews in there too, that's totally up to you. And make that the space where you make those announcements that the only people that care about those are the drivers and their teams. That if they want to bitch away, absolutely great, make it a closed group, it won't be seen by the public. And so all of that toxic crap can be contained in a place that isn't going to hurt your public image. That's would be my my solution to that. And I think it would make them happier because then they can have this free little space. It's is it great? No, but sometimes you just have those people that just want to get that off of their chest. You just don't see I just I have to say I just don't see the toxicness from the fans nearly as much as I do from people that are directly involved on race teams. So segregate that and just keep them off keep them so that there's no reason for them 
them to be on your Facebook page and commenting? You know, what what are they going to say when you when you have a new post that is like, hey, we want to welcome, we've got Jenny is our newest hire in the concession stand. I mean, what are they going to say about that? There's there's nothing, you know, I, I guess person can just be mean and then you delete the comment. You know, if people are bad enough, go ahead and ban them. I mean, seriously, just don't be afraid of that ban and block button and make that happen. I really haven't had to use that um, only a couple of times. And in, in, um, on my pages, but you know what, it's there, use it effectively. So that would be that, that's one thing. But I, I actually have another Tom, a comment about social media, because of this, this idea where, hey, track bashing, I think another thing to look at, uh, or we need to reevaluate what is track bashing and what isn't. Because like I said, there are trolls, there are keyboard warriors, they're just hateful people in the world. And that's the way it is. But really take a look at some of the comments and figure out what is the difference between constructive criticism and straight up bashing. You know, if someone does have a constructive criticism piece, then why not address it? Because I'll tell you what one thing that's positive about that is that if someone has ta- someone has taken their time, they care enough that they left a comment and they want you to know about it. You know, that's that's really, really important. Um, actually, it helps your page too, because anytime there's a bunch of comments, you want comments, but you definitely don't want negative ones. But but here's the deal. If you could then, instead of coming back and defending, let's just say someone has something like, hey, wow, um, I went to this, you know, went to your track and you were out of toilet paper by 8.15. Instead of saying, you know what, we're busy in the booth. We're busy trying to get the track, the cars on the track. And, and you know what, we just don't have time. I mean, my God, do you really have to bitch about everything? Instead of becoming defensive, why not instead engage with that person and just say, hey, wow, I am so sorry you had this experience. We're definitely going to take a look at that and get someone to monitor our bathrooms more often. That's a constructive piece. Because I'll tell you what is more destructive than these constructive criticism comments is because I, someone like me, I won't, for fear of people calling me a track basher, I won't leave a comment. In fact, I won't say anything at all. And I'll tell you what I'll do instead. I just won't go back. I won't go back. I won't spend my money. I won't promote the place within private circles. I will probably mention how I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to put it on social media. But wouldn't you at least rather have a chance to engage with those people in a positive manner? And I, and I see a lot of this in the a lot of this happens on the series side too. Why not just take these comments in and be like, you know what? Thank you for your comment. I, nothing is more destructive than all of that when you go back and forth, back and forth shut it down with a thank you would be (laughs) that's mine. Thank you. Be grateful for the fact that they wanted to speak up. So those are just a few tips and you know, digital marketing and, and trying to make sure that you connect with people on the internet is uh, it's my life. I mean, this is what I do eight hours a day every single day. So my offer out there, though, and if you're listening to this with if you're a track promoter, great, um, feel free to reach out. Uh, definitely go to racinginsiderspodcast.com forward slash zero one zero. For the show notes, you'll see that I have the download for the racetrack website checklist. I uh, will also have my contact information on there. And you know, if you're not a promoter, if there's a, a promoter that you know, that could possibly benefit 
and and I don't mean necessarily this doesn't have to be promoters that are just like on their last dollar. I mean, they could be doing well. I don't care what business you're in, we can always do better. And especially in this internet space, because this stuff not only increases, but it changes. There's new platforms all the time. There's lots of new and creative ways to to be successful with the internet at any given time. Plus, we can go with gold, old school methods as well. So I guess at the end of this, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And also there's, I'm also going to have another link on the show notes with a link to a Facebook post. So you can go ahead and drop in your comments about what you think would be the best things that would improve improve racetracks, improve racing, all of those different things, you know, it's I don't mean it for a bitching post or nothing like that. But let's look at what we can positively do to contribute to our industry to contribute to our to our sport. Wow, too many words. But um, thank you so much for listening. And I will look forward to seeing you on another episode of the Racing Insiders podcast. And I will talk to you soon. Kate out. You've been listening to the Racing Insiders Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Check out the show notes and past episodes at www.racinginsiderspodcast.com. Again, that's www.racinginsiderspodcast.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. This episode of the Racing Insiders podcast is an exclusive production solely for the private non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or retransmission without the express written consent or permission of Kate Dillon and Wesley Outland is restricted and prohibited. <laughs>